Right on, brother, right on. Go for it, go for it. Hello and welcome to Salonomics, broadcasting from Essex. It's the 26th of January. The show where we talk about stuff and things. The Bitcoin price is currently $32,250. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair messiah, Joe Mehmet. How are you doing, Joe? All right, mate. Obviously, sorry, you must be quite happy. But um, yeah, all right. It's a bit boring these days without being on LinkedIn. But, you know, what can I do? Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that. We got some feedback from our last show called Independent Thinkers Unite. And oh, okay. yeah, um, Felipe Toffee, he asks, he says he's sorry about your, your LinkedIn situation. He says he's currently writing a letter to his local MP to campaign <laughs> for your release <laughs> from is, LinkedIn jail. So, you're joking, aren't you? You must be joking. Can't no, be this is genuine. Genuine. Um, Felipe, we've got a message. Felipe, yeah, he Felipe sent it via. Yeah. Right on, brother. Right on. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. Well, the thing is, I mean, he sent that direct for our new Telegram channel. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that yeah, yeah, there yeah, seems yeah. to be an influx of people on Telegram. I've been on Telegram as a platform for over two years, two or three same, years, I think. Same here. Same here. Um, and... Yeah, I think with what's happening to WhatsApp, you know, people are getting very worried about uh, their data being shared because WhatsApp obviously took a lot of people um, onto their platform, you know, their messaging yeah. platform, because obviously it was free. You could send video, you could send text messages to people, yeah. and it didn't cost you any money. So it well, was a fantastic it's encrypted, invention. Right? And it's, it's encrypted, yeah? And well, this, you... is, this is the problem. This is the problem. They've removed the encryption essentially wow. by by sharing all the data from WhatsApp to Facebook. Yeah. Essentially means anything you type into WhatsApp will appear on your Facebook feed. Um, so we had this chat the other day. Like, um, sorry Rex, if you're listening, but if you was to type the word divorce, yeah, into WhatsApp, and then all of a sudden be bombarded with you know adverts for divorce law- uh, lawyers. And Rex walks past you while you're on Facebook and sees divorce lot. I mean, it's just going to create a massive well, headache. Well, the you, funny, I mean, I, I would have come up with a much more funny analogy. On Go on then. Uh, well, Go on then. Imagine you saw like you're having an affair with your mistress, right? And mm. you, you communicate you're on WhatsApp because of the encryption or that kind of thing. Sort yeah. Of thing. So it's safe. So you could yeah. do this, etc. And you could say, I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to ask for a divorce, etc., etc., etc. But then it all goes on to um, your Facebook page. We recommend divorce laws. All these kind of things will just come up onto your feed, won't it? That's right. Right. That's so, right. so you can't. I mean, it actually does. It will kill the um, the, the world. The the world of uh, Tinder dates and things like that. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, people will just migrate to other platforms which aren't so intrusive. Um, an example of that is what's happening with Telegram at the moment. Well, is Telegram encrypted? Telegram is encrypted. Um, it has a lot of other features that WhatsApp, WhatsApp don't have. Like you can join public groups and things right, like that. Right, right, um, right. Signal is also uh, recommended by Edward Snowden, of all people, um, to use instead of WhatsApp. So there, there is a, a lot of alternatives which are very useful. And they all have their similar USPs. Because um, you remember um, with WhatsApp, right? We, yeah, when, when you forwarded a message, right, you could sort of go up to what? As many people as you wanted, didn't you? Yeah, that's and, right. And then it became five and it became one type of thing. Yeah, would like it's te- been shared too many times. Yeah. yeah. Would, would Telegram have that kind of restriction as well or would it be... Um, yeah. uh, it's a good point. I don't believe so. I mean, I don't... I haven't seen that today. I mean, Telegram has got a great um, desktop app as well. So you can use that, um, you know, while you're, you know, surfing the internet. Um, Can you forward many times? I think you can, uh, but I'm not too sure. I mean, these are just one of these things that need to be, you know, they're they're eyeing themselves out once you get used to a new platform. But ultimately, it does look very similar to WhatsApp. The functionality is very similar to WhatsApp. So I just recommend you deleting WhatsApp. Um, Because obviously the other thing is as well... Because Facebook have essentially had a bit of a dust, a dive, nosedive in profits 
because obviously of all these um, shops yeah. uh, that can't open, uh, Facebook's main use case is really for targeted local ads. Yeah. So, you know, it knows where you live. So it's going to sync up a lot of local people to you to advertise towards. So obviously with everyone being locked down in, in Essex and in, in the UK in general, there's probably not that many adverts being bought by local businesses. And yeah. therefore, this has probably prompted Facebook's um, latest decision to basically make money out of WhatsApp. Well, you've got to keep the shareholders happy, right? They have, they have. So, so essentially, we are literally jumping before we're pushed, and we are. I mean, look, who, who wants to open up and who gets a message and wants to sit there and watch a ten-second commercial before they can see the message and respond to it? Do you know what I mean? Because mm. that's essentially what's going to be next on WhatsApp. You know, WhatsApp and well, Mark Zuckerberg in general. He just has this very, very strange idea where he buys up all these amazing digital companies and then he, he he turns them all into each other. So, like, you know, Facebook was amazing to begin with because it was so clean, it was so slick, but now it's got parts of eBay in it, you know, it's got groups, it's got, you know, um, like selling sites on there. Uh, and Instagram's the same, you know, Instagram used to be an amazing, like, photo platform, but now it's video, now it's TikTok, now it's Snapchat, now it's everything, and it just, like I say, I just think it it, it kind of dilutes the whole power of the site, so... Well, well Zuckerberg is, is the real president of America, apparently, you know, according to some, um, some narratives coming from, from America, you know, with all this sort of boat rigging and things like that. Mm. All that uh, Facebook was very instrumental. Instagram was very instrumental. Google was very instrumental in 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 actually sort of like electing um, Biden as the uh, as the forty sixth president of America or forty fifth or whatever it is. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, so so yeah, because obviously you know um, power corrupts and absolute power is absolute type of thing, isn't it? Really? So so what do you? Well, I mean, what do you think? Where are we going then with all of this? Do you think there will be a mass? Um, a migration away from Facebook and Instagram over the next couple of years? There, there has to be. I mean, look, and people get older, right? It's all like, if you look at the, the young generation, don't go on Facebook now, do they? Because it's too old. No, I mean, Facebook, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Instagram is, is yeah, was, yeah. I think, a solution to your mums and dads being on Facebook, right? Yeah, people yeah. pivoted to Instagram. You know, you've got Snapchat, people who've just got, you know, the young generation going on Snapchat, not that I've used Snapchat. Um, so, again, a new platform will come along. And, and don't forget, right, you know, when you go to business, and, so what's happened now, right, so if someone comes up with an idea and they think, right, it, it's been like in the hairdressing business, right, you know, because hmm. John Frieda set a president, didn't he, when he sold um, his company. And people were going to a product um, uh, side of, of, of the industry because they would have, they want L'Oreal to buy it or they want where to buy it, so they mm. start off something to, in order so that they can. Um, when was that? When it. when did John Frieda sell his oh, company? God, good question. Let me just struggle. I think it must have been about 1980, 88, 89. Have you got access to the computer? Have you, you can I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, mean, I'm going to Google it right now because yeah, yeah I think I think you're right. He definitely um, created a roadmap. For people that had brands, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Let me see. Um, sales product company. Yeah. What would you What do you write in that? So, so John Frieda. The it started um, with the frizzies, didn't it? I mean, it's a little serum, right, with the frizzies, which became a well bestseller. Yeah, that was early nineties, though, wasn't it? Well, was that? Well, that I'm, I'm sure. That, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. It was late like eighties because because it was the fashion demo. It was like the sort of the perm look, you know, the fuzzy wuzzy look, right? Yeah. Uh, it was quite big into in the eighties with the shoulder pads, and, and you now when you did perms, yeah, it, it used to sort of dry their hair up to an extent, right? Yeah. And then he came up with a serum to just to sort of texturize it slightly. Mm. You know, so it it went hand in hand really with the the perm. And then you got the serum to just give it a finish. It was it was an amazing product because not that you know I saw like I was sort of say it's amazing to feel, but it was amazing in the fact that it sold really really well. It, mm. it, and, and 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 put John Frieda on, on the map and um, and he went into the shampoos and the 
and that where it is now. But it's it sold that company for like hundreds of millions of pounds. Yeah, it says here he sold it to the. It was acquired by the Ko Corporation, who yeah. own multiple other brands as well. Um, in our industry, uh, in two thousand and two, uh, the, the number I've, yeah number I've got here is a hundred and sixty million dollars. Well, I thought it was more than that. Actually, I, I, I thought it was more than that. I thought, I, I thought it was about three hundred million. I thought at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, okay. it, it it was a Japanese company that brought it, which is oh sorry, no four hundred and fifty million. Yeah, so it was about three. It was about three hundred million pounds. Yeah, it would have been. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a president, right? Because and it was it was born out of frizzies, wasn't it? It was yeah. that one hero product. That's right. One that seemed product. to capture the entire globe's imagination, and and all that product was was just an oil, right? That's right. It was a little serum, right? And uh, yeah, it didn't do anything harm, or it didn't do any any anything um, damaging. So, so yeah. And, and I suppose so going into the techie world, you know, people saw, right, Facebook's this, Instagram's that, Twitter's this. Let's yeah. just start something and hopefully they could buy us out. Which yeah. Well, I, this is why I believe the future is decentralized, mate. I think we've had probably 15, 20 years of centralization on the internet. And, you know, censorship is kind of the last straw for a lot of people. Well, um, I, as you can see, all those rights in Europe, right? Um. Well, like I say, in terms of like censorship online, um, oh, the platform. I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about any, the, the, any the, 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 COVID, the COVID violence. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking but, about um, you know big tech essentially controlling the narrative. But don't um, you think COVID and and, and the um, and social media platforms or yeah the internet are are connected? What the? What do you mean? What the 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 violence? Well, the, not violence. the violence, right? But the 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 rage against what's happening in today's world, yeah. Come, yeah, come. it certainly exacerbates it, don't it? You know yeah. what I mean? Because everyone on their um, social media channels, because of the algorithms, and this is why I think decentralized platforms will slowly but surely begin to take off, um, because the algorithms formulate through neuro linguistic programming, they. Put you in your echo chamber and you therefore never hear the opposite side of the story you know as we say there's always three sides to every story and if you're constantly bombarded with one side of the story then it does create a, a kind of weird psychosis mm. um, and obviously a lot of the um, covid coverage that you get from mainstream media is fear inducing yeah Whereas a lot of the coverage you get on social media kind of is the opposite. It kind of, you know, looks at the it's data a bit more yeah. intricately and pulls it apart. Whereas on mainstream media, you don't get anybody on mainstream media pulling the data apart. It just gets completely ignored. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is why I've been against the government policy since last year, Um you know, I think April, until we realise that, yeah, maybe this isn't going to be the uh, the bubonic plague, which we was all told it was, by China mainly, because obviously a lot of the first uh, footage of the virus came from China. And you, people were f like scared into believing that you literally collapse in the street outdoors. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and people, bodies were piling up because they were literally just dying on the what? spot. They were the first, that was the first example of the fear coming out of China last year. Um, and that was obviously since has been completely unfounded because we now know that this virus does not have that effect on people. Well, it doesn't this, make you drop dead. Well, well, this is what I find really weird about the whole situation, right? Because the government just kept moving the goalposts, right? Now, mm. okay, you had the Wuhan, the, the first phase of the COVID, right? Then, yeah. well, last year, you had the South African variant, right? Which they kind yeah. of went to stricter restrictions. Now you've got the Kent strain. I mean, where the, the what strain? We, the Kent. Kent strain. The, Kent? Is, yeah, Kent. 
right? Really? Yeah. There's a Kent strain now. There's a Kent strain now. So again, oh, so for God's sake! Exactly. They keep moving the goalposts, right? All Is the there time. an Islington strain? Are you, probably, are you respond- probably, I mean, that, LinkedIn will find a way to pin that on you, mate. The Islington well, no, I'm, be another I'm, reason for I'm, you to I'm stay negative because I had a test child. last week, right? But no, just say they keep, they keep coming up with all these new movies. What, was that right? a personality test? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all five seconds of it. <laughs> yeah, and, you're definitely negative. <laughs> yeah, no. Right, right? Well, now you're a digital society. If you go by LinkedIn, I'm a the LinkedIn society. society yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a Bully. I'm a bully. I'm, yeah. I'm aggressive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. So, uh, That's it. That's you know, uh, LinkedIn. I've spoken. So you know, they, they keep moving. They keep moving the goalpost just to sort of suit themselves. Yeah. Really, and, and like you sort of say, it is. It's fearing. It putting fear into people all the time. Now they've got yourself. You you got to quarantine now, right? In from um, if you're coming through a board, it's a hotel nearby the nearby the um, airport. Mm. At £1,500. I mean, come on. Oh, well, that's interesting you used to say that about people being charged to um, isolate in hotels and stuff like that. Because according to the WHO's own regulations surrounding quarantine, um, the government should actually be paying for that. It shouldn't be down to the individual person to pay for their own isolation and quarantine, allegedly. I've not done the deep dive on that, but no, that's, but something, but I, I, that's like, something I learned this morning from uh, social media. Let's put it in a nutshell. If you could mm. afford to fly away to, in today's world, right, mm. where can you go? The Maldives, we talked about the other day. Right? Africa? Africa, certain parts of Africa, right? Yeah. Um, the Indian Ocean, the Caribbean, yeah. or the Pacific Ocean, right? Very really, nice. really expensive places. So really, at the day, you could afford to pay fifteen hundred pounds of quarantine. Mm. Yeah, no. Well, I suppose it's only the elite that are traveling, as we as we learnt uh, with Piers Morgan's um, yeah. travel plans over over Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Um, but exactly. yeah, I just want to get back to the idea of decentralisation going forward. You know, yeah. um, this is this is the internet we find ourselves in today. You know, it is completely controlled by a few players, as we've seen with Parler getting completely shut down. If it wasn't enough that the Google um, pl- uh, the Google App Store and the uh, Apple um, Play uh, I st- what is it? It's the Apple App Store, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they both obviously removed Parler, and you know people don't seem to realise that you can still go and find these websites because they will work in your browser. You know you don't need to download an app um, to find these things. But then Amazon, who essentially own a lot of the servers that the majority of the internet yeah, is built cloud, on. Yeah, yeah. Amazon decided to throw their weight into the ring and decided to completely destroy their service. So now Parler as a service, I don't believe it exists anymore. Let me actually, let me go on the internet and find out. Um, Parler, oh. because, because they've been basically, essentially, yeah, technical difficulties. I've, I've gone onto the homepage and you know, there's essentially just a um, like under construction uh, page on there with a few messages. Um, and you know, this is this is this is the internet of today. You know, if you say things that are you know not popular, or you know, if you're a dissenting voice to the elite, the elite will get rid of you. And it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, whether you're a leftist or you're you know you're on the right, or whether you're in the centre. If you're saying something that they don't like, they can deplatform you. Well, this this is it. Like the, the interesting thing I find about these uh, social uh, media platforms, like you know Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all this, right? They've got CEOs, which is the mm. the Zuckerberg or that, right? But mm. are they the real decision makers? This is this is the question you've got to ask yourself. Isn't it? Aren't the decisions uh, uh, they make though by committee a lot yeah, of the time? Uh, yeah, they got they're just the fall right? guy. Yeah, they're they're just the shareholders. I know Twitter's major shareholder is uh, the uh, the Saudi uh, oil billionaires. Yeah. I know right. that they're a major shareholder. But I think your China have got a lot of um, power in these companies also, and, yeah. and that's you know that's overlooked by a lot of people. But yeah, yeah. but like I say, this is why the future of the internet will be decentralized, you know. So if anything happens to Telegram or Signal or any of these other type of apps, then there's things like Mastodon, yeah. um, you know, that people can then pivot to. Um, 
But it, it, like I say, it's 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 sad. It's a sad state of affairs. It is. It's a controlling world that I don't really want to be in, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it really is sad because... Fear's a great motivator, isn't it? And, you know, when you make your population fearful, hmm. they're much easier to manipulate and control. control. That's right. That's right. It really um, is sad. It really is so, sad. So, yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on. Let's finish yeah. that subject because, yeah. you know, that is a big downer. Yeah. So, next subject I want to just briefly touch on is um, obviously the last show we called Independent Thinkers Unite because it was genuinely about being a contrarian in the face of professional and governing bodies telling us what's best for us in an industry. Um I want you to know, I, I did reach out to the Hair and Barber Council to, because I just wanted a bit of clarification on what No, 100%, because we asked yeah. a question, right? We asked yeah, a question. I just, yeah, that, I mean, they're celebrating it as being amazing news for the industry, the fact that we've joined this Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, Quango. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask them, you know, what does it mean? Because they had 157 comments on their Facebook page, all pretty much asking the same question, you know, what does this mean? Um, and I got a response from the Hair and Barber Council. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, oh, please do. Yes, yes. Here you go. Nothing. That that was an audio representation of silence. <laughs> oh, that is so. It's why that it wasn't those sort of like uh, those spa type of music where you just sort of send you to sleep. Yeah, maybe, like maybe. <laughs> so I, I got radio silence from them. Um, just like most people in this industry have radio silence from the governing body, which is apparently there to support us, Joe. Yeah. So I mean, what I find really interesting about the, these, um, you know, sort of PHAB and the NHBF, all, all these sort of and the, yeah. bodies, right? That, yeah. Though we've been very vocal about this for a long time, about these sort of bodies sort of being inactive, you know, when it came to the VAT and all these sort of things at first, yeah, that we've never been asked, you know, to sort of to piece sort of like to um, for an audience with them, have we? They never sort of said, you know, Joe or Aaron, you know, mm -hmm. we we like to explain so that you can explain to your listeners, to your viewers, to your, to your, to, your, to your followers. Um, where Listen, we give everybody a right to reply, exactly. don't we? Do you know what I mean? I mean, we're not we're not backwards in coming forwards. Exactly. You stuff. know, we're just too average. Well, I'm not saying we're average. We're just well, too above people. average. Yeah, well, we're, we <laughs> we're, we're average in the fact that we're just working people, right, who care about the industry because our passion's there. Yeah. And, um, and we, there's no politics in our in our approach. There's no gains in our um, intentions because you know we've got no skin in the game. But yeah, but we can help out, and and yet they haven't responded to none of us, and that's mm. what I find really, really interesting. Because, like I said, uh, with with this push testimony on before, they got they protected our interests. We have got nothing to protect except ask a question. Mm. You would have thought, right? They said, okay, look, let's get Joe and Aaron on our side, and we explain to them what we what our intentions are. You know, our goals, our ambitions, and this and that, and maybe we can help them. We can get them to help us. Well, I just want them to justify their half a million pound a year turnover. Which, in the scheme of things, not a lot of money, right? It's not a lot of money. No, no. it's not. But, but how many, uh, how many but, members share it, though? How many, how many board members? Well, if there's ten thousand, well, who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, if there's ten thousand people that are all giving them fifty quid a year, yeah. Don't you okay. think, in this time of economic climate where everyone's on the floor, they would? Maybe waive that for a year. No, they've got no. You gave it. You gave someone a pound, right? You got right to know what they spend that money on. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is your that is not your prerogative. That is your due. That is their dutiful reason to explain how they spend that money. Mm. So, so yeah. So, Hair and Barber Council, if you're listening, uh, please let us know what. The B E I S will do for do, us. Do you think, though, right? We actually give them ammunition. Who? 
the the the, the PHB and the NHBF. Do you think we give them ammunition to sort ammunition for what? For, I mean, they're silent, so, Joe. Well, no, it's like just you said, they got they got no ideas, right? They got no idea whatsoever. Because as far as I'm concerned, they, they had no idea for forty years. It's, well, let, like, let me give you a brief story. When I was back in the MH Fed, we yeah. had exactly the same scenario, right? Where yeah. we was joining the Hair and Barber Council, and we went up to the Houses of Parliament. Because they was having a, oh, you, you went know, to the House of a, Parliament. Did you? I went to the oh, House of Parliament oh, with the MH Fed, um, and it was all to, d- yeah. I wore my best suit, my best hat. I was told to take off my hat by a police officer on the way in. I said, "But you're wearing a hat. Why am I not allowed to wear a hat?" So yeah, yeah. I was very, um, yeah. I was very abrasive to the um, the gendarmerie or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, so basically, um, we went there, and before I went, I sent out a newsletter to all of our uh, members at the MH Fed. It was like, look, we're going up to the House of Parliament. Hopefully, we're going to be rubbing shoulders with a few people. What, if anything, do you like me to ask them while I was there? And you know what everyone said, mate? What? Everyone to a man said, do something about VAT because it's crippling us. Right. This was right. 2012, Joe. Yeah, eight years ago. So, nine, nine years ago. Yeah. So we went, we went to the House of the Parliament. It was a jolly up. It was a jolly up, essentially. It was at lots the of these bodies. At the expense. At, at the expense. Uh, there was PRs there. There was top names in the industry. And it was a load of fluff and bluster about nothing. It was essentially a jolly up in nice surroundings, but there was literally zero intention to talk about the things that actually mattered to the members. And because you're a me- because you're a better principal, you actually. I left that never. I left, and I never went back again. Bravo you, mate. Bravo you. I, I like people with principles. You stick. I, I just felt. I just felt it was what a complete waste of time. Because it would have been quite easy. A waste just, of time. It would have been quite easy to stay there, spend all. Yeah, it got caught up in it. You yeah, know, enjoyed people patting patting each other on the back, yeah, and I yeah. just thought. How can I go back to our members and say, oh, yeah, we had a really amazing meeting. Um, yeah, we, we spoke about absolutely naffle um, and it was just um, a jolly up. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, your uh, next month's uh, membership is due. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so. Yeah. From very early on, I was quite um, disheartened by well, no, the whole no, thing. Because you, no, you, you care. You, you care about the welfare of the industry and the people who, people like you were sort of saying the other the foot soldiers, the people on the floor. Yeah. Well, for me, it was like I couldn't go back and look at these people in a straight face, no. saying to them, yeah. "Yeah, we're doing everything we can to make your life easier," yeah. you know. And so, yeah. So obviously, that that was that. Mm-hmm. But you know, we live and learn, don't we? We're nine years later. Once again, we're still no closer to any of these things being resolved. Um, yeah, and and that's why I turned my back on that whole side of the industry and wanted to get into the more commercial sector. And it started, profes- a punk, it started a podcast attacking them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm not attacking them, just holding them to account. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we need a right to reply. Uh, listen, um, I, I'm with you, mate, because it's exciting. Too many sycophants. Too yeah. many sycophants. That are, they're all their money. What's the quote? You know, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Yeah. You know, and essentially that is, in a nutshell, all of these professional bodies. They all pretend that they're there for the benefit of their, you know, their support in the industry. But once again, let's redefine industry. Industry means every single person in hair and beauty that doesn't actually do hair and beauty. That's what industry means. It's quite sad, really, that our industry has to sort of go that low now, isn't it? Really, I think mm. it's it's pretty it's pretty sad that they've got these uh, professional bodies, right? Represent supposedly doing this and doing that, and yet at their day, they really do nothing and they hoodwink us. Whereas you know, you, you've got really hardworking individuals who really care about not so much the industry, but they care about the clients, the welfare, and all these kind yeah. of things, right? Well, I just think in these bad times, you know, when the tide goes out, everyone knows who's not wearing any shorts. Do you know what I mean? And I think this pandemic has pushed the tide out and everyone's seen all of these people for what they actually are. And they've become even more disenfranchised. So so what do you think of that girl then who's so like using the Magna Carta as a 
as an example of opening up her salon in... Oh, Germany. I think she's brilliant. Sinead Quinn, Sinead Quinn. Sinead Quinn, yeah, that's right. So anyone who hasn't heard, there is a bit of a mini movement um, gathering a bit of steam around social media, like Telegram channels especially, and it's called The Great Reopening. So if you was to Google The Great Reopening, you, uh, you may be able to find some of the channels that I'm talking about. But essentially, on January the 30th, um, standing in solidarity with our Italian cousins uh, and our Norwegian cousins and our Austrian cousins and our Dutch cousins, they are talking about opening up bars and restaurants on January the 30th and saying to hell with Boris's tears and rules. Um, and I fully support that movement because I think it's, be, it's been... We've, I think we've all seen long enough now that the, the government have been dishonest the way they count these cases yeah. and these numbers. They're being completely dishonest. Like you say, they're moving the goalposts every month to make it seem more fearful. And yesterday, rather than talking about how the case numbers are going down, which they have been over the last month, they talk about a new deadly strain. That's what I mean, a catch strain. That's what I mean. The yeah, the So, you know, so clearly their agenda is to instill more fear yeah. uh, to prevent us from meeting up. And yeah, so Sinead Quinn is a hairdresser who during the first lockdown, if you didn't know, she was fined um, up to £17,000 for opening during the lockdown last year. Um, hence, a GoFundMe was set up to pay for her fines. And I think she raised about twenty eight grand. I think right. you know, as you know, good Samaritans all like essentially funded her. Now, where did these uh, fines go, by the way? Well, of course, they go to the local council, don't right. they? Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so yeah. So not actually doing any good these fines, really, is it? No, no. Well, the local council have obviously had to bail out a lot of local business, and uh, you know what's one of the funniest sights for me in a really kind of weird way, um, as I've been driving round South End. Just these lonely traffic wardens, all yeah. ambling about with no tickets to give because there's no there's no trade happening. But, so no but one's you know, parking right, anywhere. Yeah, traffic wardens should not be allowed to give out tickets as well because they're touching something. Well, they are. They but are. They, they, by the law, they shouldn't do. It. I mean, by by the law of COVID. Yeah. Right? Well, they are. They're they're all on their little motor yeah. motor scooters because we went out for a walk the other day and there was a couple of cars that had been given tickets yeah. because they closed down all the municipal car parks. Yeah. So people want to go out and get exercise and they're being prevented. So, so once how, again, so how our local council, council are complicit as well. Well, how would a council get their money? By issuing fines. Uh, issuing fines, and they're hoping that people won't do their research and just pay the fines. Well, listen, if it just go to go out in your car in central London, yeah, it's going to cost you money now, right? Because they're expanding the the border of the ULIS into sort of South Circle and North Circle. So for me yeah. to gain, like, I mean, fortunately, my car is low emission, but mm. the average car of a certain age, to get in your car, it's going to cost you 15 quid just yeah. to go and see your cousin or whatever in a normal day. Yeah, you that's know? right, that's it's, right. It's, it's money. I mean, it is money. And like I say, this is why I stand behind these people that are all going to open on January the 30th. They're going to defy the lockdown rules because you know their businesses are going to ruin. How can you protect the NHS when now, there's if, no money? If it, if it, if it, if for it to there's succeed, no money left. No, there's no to, money left. So how can you protect something when there's no money left to protect it? So. Well, it's not so much the money, right? It, it's actually sort of like um, trying to take back some control, like we sort of said, because mm. the thing is, is that if everybody does it in a collective uniform, right, peacefully, right. where every, every, every office up, like you said, in Italy, in Nevers, everywhere, right? Yeah. They, they can't police it. Now, That's if one, right. If one or two people open up, then they will be able to police it. All right? Yeah, so they'll it, be able to make examples. It, of them. Exactly. They can't make examples of everyone. But if so, everyone yeah. was, to, if everyone was to do it, then the government would sort of take a very different view about all this. Right? Yeah, because yeah, totally. if you if you actually sort of look at the uh, the lockdown, it's been nearly a year now, right? Well, it's been well over a year with COVID, right? Yeah, and there's been lots of sort of restrictions, lots of this and that, and yet the cases are going down. Why is that? So face masks ain't working. Isolation's not working. So mm. nothing's working. Now, you can't tell me, right, that Trump got it wrong or Australia got it wrong or we got it wrong or whatever, right? Nothing's working. So yeah. what it tells me, right, there's a far more sinister 
reasons behind all this than than COVID itself. COVID. Well, is the... this is what the Great Reset is. It's a financial reset. Yeah. It's essentially printing so much money out of, out of fresh air that you know essentially they're going to have to crash the financial system and it'll all be covered up because there'll be a giant cyber attack which say, oh, all of our records have been deleted uh, because of this, you know, solar wind cyber attack that's come in. And, you know, it's, it's essentially to remove politicians' accountability for what's gone on over the last well, 15 to 20 well, years. Well, I, I, think, I think the politicians are in the pockets of the, the global elites, right? I'm, I'm not sort of saying liberal, liberal elites anymore. I'm saying global no, elites. No, the global elites. No, right? no, you're absolutely right. You know, Klaus Schwab and the lot. You know, they've been it, talking about the fourth fourth industrial revolution for a while. And, you know, people that, that mouth the words great reset are labeled conspiracy theorists this is all over youtube yeah you know the guy's written a book called covid19 the great reset this is the head of the world economic forum telling us in plain sight what is going to happen yeah and it will happen it so this happen. is why this is why people got to protect themselves they've got to immediately take all their cash and invest it into bitcoin <laughs> and like christine lagarde said it's an escape hatch, so you've got to use it. She's given you the warning right then. This is Christian Lagarde, the head of the IMF. She said, yeah, Bitcoin's got to be regulated because if there's an escape hatch, then people will use it. Well, news for you, Christine. And, and it's not Lagarde, it's laggard. She's a laggard because she's so behind with what's actually happening in the world. Bitcoin cannot be regulated. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, and everyone out there use well, escape I'm, valve to, to put a little, a little piece of their wealth as well, an anti-inflationary hedge into I, Bitcoin. I, I, I like film posters, personally speaking. I mean, as you know, right, I, I, I invest in film posters. So, mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, they're going up by... What? That's really interesting. So what's, what are your... I mean, how many film posters you got? And when did you start doing that? I mean, it's a bit of a bonkers... Well, no, because thing all, to do. See, I mean, when when I started making money, right, I was always had this mm. sort of thing like you know, one part of my my uh, my earnings went into bills, mortgages, things like that. One part went into my family because I, mm. I as you know, I, I was um, supporting my families as well, mm. and one part went into sort of my party, and one part mm. I sort of invested, and and as you sort of know, right, could you see my collection? I, I started um, collecting uh, football programs. And and when I got when you get the ultimate the holy grail of all football programs, there there was in my in my knowledge right. There's always there's only been two holy grails of football programs. One was what they called the Ghost Program in um, 1958 with the the Man United after the Munich crash, right? Right. Okay. Uh, There were and what there there was there was supposed to. So that's the ultimate. So what's what's the value of that one? Well, I think that. I, there was one after when I brought for about twenty five thousand pounds, right? Wow! Because because um, all all the programs were destroyed, but fortunately the printer, he he actually saw had two and it put them away. When he died, right, his son found two of them, right, and he gave one to Manchester United and one to right. um, it, it, to to the auction, right, and yeah. um, and it, it raised an awful lot of money. And and the other one, right, was the for every Arsenal fan, it's the very first game played at Highbury. In 1913, right. it was against Leicester Fossey, and when it was a Woolwich Arsenal against Leicester, uh, and you know that was well, how much is that worth then? Last count, the last one in auction, right? It was one in auction that went in 2004. It mm. went for ten thousand. Wow! Right, and yeah. when I got that, when I got that football program about what uh, nine years ago. I think that was it. I kind well, of, you've got that one. Got, you've got that program. Yeah, you know I have because I showed it to you. I know, but the listeners don't, you donut. So <laughs> share it with them. No, yeah, oh, I've got God. that program. I've got that program. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. know what you've just described there, though, Joe? Got, you've got. described a scarce asset. You know, something that there's maybe one or only two of in the world. There's only about five in existence, apparently. Five in existence. So you're talking about something that's scarce. And, and this is what people can't seem to get their head around Bitcoin. It is provably scarce. There will only be 21 million of them. So if you think of Bitcoin as a concept of digital gold that you can teleport around the world, 
with no third party interference, then you essentially can send money all around the world. Yeah, but the, the unfortunate thing about Bitcoin, right, is that you, you break it down to, is it Satoshis? Satoshis or bits, yeah. There's 100 yeah, million of them. Right, in yeah, each, I mean, in each whereas, Bitcoin. you know, this program is one, you know, that is tangible, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it is tangible, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But your program is not trying to be money. No, it, Bitcoin it's, is trying it's to be the the best money that's ever been invented. I, I think when it comes to investments, right? You know, the, the thing that I loved about investments, I, I never mm. got into stocks and shares as such, mm. right? Was that um, I mean, I I did have uh, free shares, which which I got a lot of money from, but it was pretty by accident I've got them. Um, mm. The thing was was that it it has to be fun, right, for a start. It has mm. to be fun. It, for me, it has to be tangible, and it, and also it's got a story as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, totally. It, you know, what I mean, with, with film posters again, you, you know, which I started collecting about uh, what six years ago, because yeah. I, I thought myself, I, I need to do something because it's it's all worth having, worth having money, right? But, there's one thing but I know. But if it's in cash, it's just going to be inflated away, right? Well, I, I tell you what the last credit crunch taught me, right? And, mm. and, and my, my dad actually gave me a fantastic sto uh, story when, when I got my first wage packet in 1976. It was like yeah. nine pounds. It was nine pounds, right? Uh, mm. when, when I was an apprentice. And I wanted to open a bank account. And my dad said to me, why? I said, well, I've got this cash. He goes, the minute you put that money in the bank, it's not yours. Not yours. That's so true. I mean, this is in 1976. Yeah. A, a, a man from it's Cyprus, an IOU. <laughs> yeah, they essentially give you Cyprus, an IOU. Right, yeah. Came to this country and he told me that. And how true was that? Since the credit 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 crunch, because every time you would take your money out, right? How much information do they need? Hmm. What do they? No, need? this is right. Well, I mean, don't you remember the the first financial crisis in 08? You know, Northern Rock. People were made a run on the banks, actually, uh, and then people realised for the first time, I think, that the banks actually didn't have the cash that they said they had, and this is what basically started the panic. But but you know what, though, I mean, we actually did very well from Northern Rock. We did uh, because we our mortgage was Northern Rock, and, and we were sent a letter by them right, to to move our mortgage to uh, Cheltenham and Gloucester, I think it was right, right, and and. I rang them up and they, they were sort of saying, yeah, we could take you on, right, at about 6%. Yeah. And I think it was about the 4% at the, at the time. And I thought, this is, yeah, why would why would I go from this product to that product at 2% more? So I spoke to our accountant and he goes, look, Joe, you've got no adverse history. You've got no, um, you've got no debt or anything like that. You, you're paying on time and everything. Just stay where you are. They can't get rid of you because as long as you saw like saw fulfilling to the terms and conditions of the uh, the mortgage, they mm. can't get rid of you. So just stay where you are, which we did. Right. A lot of people panicked, and that's what caused the big um, crash, I think. But we right. didn't panic. We stayed where we were, and we actually benefited from it. I mean, now right, we obviously Virgin Virgin Money right bought the good part of uh, Northern Rock. Hmm. And um, our, our mortgage is quite favourable now, right? But as you know, all mortgages are quite favourable now because it's cheaper. That's zero, yeah, zero interest right, rates, yeah, right? Yeah, it's cheaper to have a mortgage than to pay rent. Yeah, for a start, you know what I mean. So, so yeah. It, well, I was well, I was kind of hoping that enough people was around in two thousand eight because that's when Bitcoin was born. You know, right. it was launched in two thousand and nine, so it's used to its use case is in crises. Yeah. Um, you know, it was born into the biggest financial crisis. And, and actually, the Genesis block um, had the words in there on the bailout of on the second bailout of the banks. You know, it was the I think it was the Sunday Times front front page news yeah. um, that the actual inventor of Bitcoin embedded that into the very, very first Genesis block. And, and essentially, that's what it was. It was when they bailed out all the banks, they privatized profits and they socialized all the debts which meant all of the taxpayers throughout the country had to pay for the mistakes of the banks and this is exactly and that that is where the inflation the asset inflation comes from because and that's exactly what's happening now you have got our government printing money handing it over to pharmaceutical companies to make a vaccine and to make tests and to make PPE and all this other stuff 
for the greater good, you know, right. for our protection. And, and, and guess who's paying for it? We are. The taxpayers. Yeah. Because you pay for it through invisible tax, which is inflation. Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and if you think about it, right, who's still working? Banks are still working. Yeah, they're all working from home, mate. So, yeah, none of yeah, them yeah. missed a paycheck. Yeah. So money, money's still being made. Money's still yeah. working. Uh, and, and this is what I find really, really um, concerning, that uh, uh, the, the, the average working class person, right, is not working. Okay, they get their furloughed, right? Yeah. But people are still making money. Right? And, and that's the big, big difference. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look at the wealth inequality gap. You yeah, know, it's the, the top one percent. It got bigger this year yeah, because, let's face it, they own own all the tech stocks, uh, which have you know skyrocketed. You know, if, the last and if you year. think, I mean, the, the thing about shares, right, is that you know you've got plenty of shares of this and that, but people might just flat, have a flatter, right? But mm. you you can't do that with Bitcoin. I mean, the average person cannot buy a Bitcoin. Do you think? No, they can't buy a Bitcoin, but they can buy slivers of a Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I literally invest £2 a day in Bitcoin. Do you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I buy Bitcoin every day. I've got like a dollar cost average thing set up on the app. Right. And it takes £2 a day. Really? You know? Yeah, I mean, what's that? That's the cost of a bloody coffee. coffee. And, you and know, I'm not I'm not missing that coffee. If you come to Islington, mate, they'd rather have a coffee than a uh, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a bottle of water in Islington. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bottle of water. But um, but yeah, no, that's by the by. Um, you know, did you that's know? Is a fact for you that twenty percent of the dollars in the system, twenty percent of the dollars were all printed last year. Really, twenty percent of the dollars in the system were printed. Last year, it just goes so, what do, so it goes to show you, you know, your your shopping bills are going to go up twenty percent. Um, your house prices, if you're lucky enough to own your own house, is going to go up twenty percent. I mean, look, let's face it: in fifteen years, thirteen years since the last crisis, my house has appreciated three x in value. Yeah. yeah. Have my wages gone up three x no. in fifteen years? Well, no, no, they've stayed the same. No. So, what hope have our children ever got? Of getting onto the property ladder, mate. Well, I tell you so. Make sure they're not going to hairdresser. That's for sure. No, well, <laughs> that, that is true. But but my point is, you know, this is part of the great reset. Mm. It's you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. You know that is part and parcel of it. Well, who do you think is going to own everything? The top one percent. It, it was it's like that film, um, the Demolition Man, right? With um, that um, the character. Played Great by. move! I love that movie. It, exactly, what people movie. should watch it, right? Because yeah, I, I love that quote by um, Dennis Leary, who played uh, what Edgar Friendly, right? Yeah. You know when when uh, he met Sylvester Stallone underground and everything, right? He sort of says, you know, um, yeah, the cocktail thinks he's the enemy. I'm into freedom of speech, freedom of choice. You know, he wants mm. to go to Greece and spoon and think, do I? T-bone steak or jumbo barbecue ribs, you know. Yeah. Cholesterol, you want to eat bacon, all these kind of Whereas in the, in the top world, right, you know, at the, in the top um, outside. Yeah, it was world. the underground. He was yeah. part of the underground, underground. society. Like, he lived the, in the sewers. Yeah, with the cocktail type of um, society, right? It, you, know, you can't swear, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah, the know? intellect, the intellectuals. Yeah, you can't have a, be- you can't have, a, you can't get pregnant, right, unless you've got a license. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no yeah. physical contact. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's interesting how profound Demolition Man actually was yeah. as I mean, a as a movie. Yeah, people sort of slagged it off because of, you know Sylvester Stallone film, you know, Ryan Band thinking that, but you actually listen to the words of it. Mm. It is so much true. There's a lot of truth in that of what, and I kind of think that these these global elitists are, are completely misunderstanding how the world is, but they want the world to be in their to their liking. And, yeah. and they're actually sort of control- they're doing it right now because th- there's enough money out there to feed the uh, the masses you know like you saw said just give them a bit yeah. of money to keep them happy but it stops them from moving around too yeah this idea of uh, trickle down economics doesn't work no. if you give if you give a millionaire 10 grand he's just gonna put it in his bank account it'll never see the light of day it'll just sit on top of you know, the rest of his pile of cash. But you give a working class person £10,000, that will immediately enter the system. It'll yeah. create transactions. It'll create local wealth. They will either, A, pay debt off with it or generally go out and buy stuff. Exactly, um, and, and, and which is mental so, health, right? Which is yeah, 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 yeah. So this quantitative easing for the rich, 
essentially makes the rich richer. Yeah. Every time that you hear them printing money or you hear the term quantitative easing, they are printing money to give it to their elitist friends so they don't have to spend any of their savings to buy themselves what I, out. That's I, what it is. I encourage people, if I could encourage people, right, I would encourage to switch off all these uh, people that follow on Instagram, Facebook, all these sort of these lubbies. I, I would just encourage them to just unfollow them. Completely yeah. unfollow them, right? Because it's completely false imaging as well, right? They, it's like sort of saying, look at me, thank you very much. Bugger off, type of thing. Right? No. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Anyway, there's, there's no upside to it. Right? Yeah. Well said, Joe Nemat. Should we move on to the actual subject that I really <laughs> wanted to talk to you about? Because oh, once God. again, we've like had a forty odd minute chat right. yeah. about stuff and things, which obviously is the name of the, this show, um, Salonomics, where we talk about stuff and things, right? Um. But yeah, once again, um, reach out to us via the Telegram group if you do have anything to say. It's a public channel. Um, anyone can send us a message or a comment or about anything we say. You know, you could even offer Joe some money for his film posters. <laughs> you know, I'm sure, I'm sure money's getting a bit tight to mention over there. Uh, there, is, there is, with, yeah. with coffee and water prices hitting uh, record levels. Um, so, Joe, yeah, this was a new... Seeing as you've been banned from LinkedIn and we haven't got your... We, we can't use the what's got your goat on LinkedIn anymore. No. Um, I thought I would replace that with something else. So, I'm going to basically take a word, a random word, and I'm going to just ask you your opinion on it. So, this <laughs> week's word is, what do you think of charity? Uh, Joe Mehmet, the floor is yours. Go for it. <laughs> I, I actually deplore when I hear the word charity. It's the biggest con in the world. I think the, wow. the scourge to mankind is charity. Shots fired. Hang on, I better, better go for the siren. This is, uh, this is your nuclear uh, vocal warning. What Joe's about to say may cause some damage. Okay, if I gave, if I gave you one pound, Yes. To, to your charity, right? Yes. How much money would you give? How much, how much of that one pound would you give to the actual cause? Um, well, I, I, I know this because obviously I've done a lot of work. It's smashing nicely. I've done a lot of work for charity over the years. Um, I, I believe there's a legal requirement that 50% of your 50, charitable... Not 50, 50, is, it, 50, is it 50? Are you 50. sure about that? I know it 50. is. That's why, that's why I'm against all this charity. Right. 50. Okay. So I, I can spend 85% on, on admin, on admin right. and I only have to give 15%. Now, and, and when it comes right. to charities, right, all these... Okay, yeah. There's some really good causes. That I must say there's some lovely people out there who do fantastic work. But when it comes to the big organisations, right... The big corrupt ones, mm. and, and and you they're your benchmark that you look at, yeah. right? And they're the ones who get all the knighted, all to get the accolade, you know, all these sort of like celebrities jump on this and that, right? Forget it, they're all corrupt, right? Right. Eighty-five percent of that goes to admin. Why is that? For a lifestyle. I mean, let's let's talk about global. Essentially, war. isn't it to pay wages? Well, exactly. Let's talk about climate change, global warming, environmental, all this kind of thing, right? How does money, each country, right, has to sort of give X amount of money, right, in their fight against um, emissions, all that, right? How does Mm. money solve the weather? Yeah, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't, right? It doesn't. How does, you know, cancer research, I accept that, if you give it directly, I, I accept all that. The middle nurses, I accept. Oxfam, to a degree, I accept. Right? Yeah, but you're talking mainly about like benevolent kind of yeah. charities there when, you know, that actually go to supporting people who fall yeah. on hard times. Yeah. I, I, I've got not a problem with those kind of charities. Now, let's, let's, take, let, let's talk about Band Aid, right, in 1985. Oh, it, what, Bob Geldof? Yeah, it raised, I mean, there's, there's stories about it, which I don't want to go into, but. Mm. They raised over a billion pounds in Af- for Africa, right, Ethiopia. Mm. And yet, it hasn't solved anything. No. They're still going on and on and on. Bob Geldof got knighthood out of it, and it was a good gig. 
And he, it he was made, a very he, memorable he, concert. Of course, I, look, I've donated fifty quid from it, you know, from you know, because I've got a credit card. Right, from, you know, yeah. I've got a credit card. Was that the last time you donated to charity? It was actually when I, when I discovered certain things about our charity, I thought since yeah. then, right, I've never donated any. Oh no, to you charity. know what? No, you haven't. I can, I'm calling you out here. No, that's not true because you donated a signed England shirt. Um, to my golf day, that yeah, I but used that was to run physical. For that was Felicia. physical. That wasn't. Money. Yeah, but it's still, you know. But that's it's still, you know. I think it's still raised yeah, about four hundred quid. Yeah, so, but you know, happy was, days. That, that was for your auntie, right? Uh, yeah, it was my aunt's golf day, but we were raising money for my niece who has cancer. Yeah, we were raising a... money for her treatment. But that's um, direct, right? That's that's direct. Yeah, you know, that's um, that, that's something else, right? Yeah, that, I'm yeah. glad that I helped out, but I would not personally give my money. My hard-earned money for someone to have a lifestyle. Well, you got to look at some of the CEOs at some of these um, organisations. They're on, you know, upwards of a hundred and fifty grand a year. Exactly. What for? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Just to be the head, the yeah. the, the mouthpiece. I don't know. Do you want to know who um, who the biggest charities are in the world, Joe? Um, go on, Microsoft. So uh, by. So by endowment value, the number one is the Novo Nordisk Foundation. Don't know anything about them. But number two is the Bill and Melinda Gates Yeah, I've got to say, I've got to say. $46.8 billion that charity's worth. So you've got one charity there that could eradicate overnight world poverty, starvation on the planet. Exactly. And, and again... They, this, but they don't. So and, and this know. is the thing that I find really, really annoying about when you know that that silly little bird, right, Greta Thunberg, right? <laughs> because okay. they, they, all, all these lovely, all these elitists, right? They worry about fifty years time for their children. How they want yeah. how now. There's over a billion people, right? Young children starving, worry about tomorrow. Yeah. How can you care? If you talk about, if you really genuinely care about something, care about the problems of today, solve poverty, solve hunger. Hunger is the biggest killer to mankind, mm. right? Not tri not the car, not yeah. cancer, not smoking, not pollution, nothing. It is yeah. hunger. Solve that problem first, and then you get my attention. Well, yeah, I've got some data for you. So the top 10 UK charities, yeah, by fundraising income. This yeah. is data based on 2017. Cancer Research UK, 463 million. British Heart Foundation, 278 million. Sight Savers International, 270 million. Macmillan Cancer Support, 233 million. Oxfam, 211 million. RNLI, which I think is well, the lifeboats, yeah, right? Yeah. 182 million. Salvation Army, 141 million, and British Red Cross, 135 million. So there's a lot of money that gets yeah. raised year in, year out with these charities. Um, I mean, and, yeah. They're all great I mean, causes, but some of them run, right? That, there's a lot of money that actually doesn't go to the cause, but it goes into mm. completely different areas that I just can't understand. Yeah, well, is that so? That's like the 0.7% GDP, right? Do you remember last month um, the government came out and said that the UK would not meet the UN recommended target of 0.7% of gross national income yeah. on basically overseas uh, development? Um, and obviously, because lots of stories um, came around that was, you know, we were we basically sending millions to china <laughs> and india <laughs> and india and they had space program and obviously people like like you were saying earlier the taxpayers were up in arms about it why are we sending money to china and india to spend on these ridiculous things so of course you know during the middle of a pandemic during a, a crisis where millions of people have been affected by income we're sending 0.7% of our GDP abroad to countries that aren't affected by a pandemic. What I want to know, Joe Mehmet, is when are China and India and all of those going to have a, uh, a telephone for us and <laughs> nice. send money back? Well, this is it. Then, then yeah, so like, we're a bad day for for the UK, for Londoners. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, no. Yeah, because this report in the Daily Mail, let me just clarify this. So I'm not making this up. This isn't, you know, you can 
uh, Daily Mail reported on it. So China takes millions in aid from the UK and then they hand it to Russia. Um, essentially, Russia is set to be the leading recipient of vast new foreign aid department being launched by China, a country to which Britain gives tens of millions of pounds of tax ca taxpayers' cash to. Um, uh, so basically, about 26 billion of that has gone to Russia it, in loans. It's all about so, image. It's, it's what they call diplomacy, I take it, right? It's British yeah. diplomacy, right? Yeah. Yeah, for, so they can get their um, grubbing all their heads off to something. I mean, mm. this is the thing that I really don't understand about this. So, like, uh, the, the United Nations emissions, right? they, they set the Paris Agreement, right? They set all these mm. sort of standards that the uh, each city or each country's got to lower their emissions, right? If mm. they don't, right, they will get fined. Yeah. What does these funds go to? Uh, the EU. Right. I mean, that's the thing that I, I don't really understand about money. Christine Lagarde. Yeah. They, they all go right. to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'll be. Well, well, this uh, is the thing. This is the thing, right? The difference between a charity and a foundation. Um, even though the terms charity and foundation appear to be similar, there are certain differences between these two terms. Yeah. In the world, we come across many organisations that are involved in social causes, such as religious organisations and those that work to provide relief to people afflicted with deadly diseases. So charities are essentially an organisation that are involved in fundraising activities all the time, whereas a foundation is what private foundations have a fixed source of funding that they drawn down they draw down from yeah. you know billionaires such as bill gates there's a little bit of a tax dodge um so yeah so essentially that is the difference between a charity and a foundation well if you look at that Cecil Rhodes uh, foundation right in bristol they, they want to bring down his um statue right because of his slave trade right but, okay yeah but his money actually sort of helped all these um, a lot of students achieve seats in there you know so getting education oh so right so the irony that the students now want to <laughs> yeah. pull his statue down is yeah yeah right so yeah I, I mean obviously someone will explain that but that's that's old money that's dirty money but it's like, quite short-sighted isn't it yeah, really exactly it's so, quite short-sighted i mean but when it comes to charity mate i you know like i said to you earlier on right you know Part of my salaries, I still always look after my family. Now, what I find really annoying as well, right, with comes to charities, I, I know people who would donate an awful lot of money to charities. Mm. That there's really sort of wonderful charities that people that my closest will go to. I right, would have spent ten thousand pounds for a table, right, so per yeah. seat. You know, these these charities just to just to sort of look good and, and feel good, right? But yet mm. they won't give a penny to a beggar in the street. Mm. Um, I know people sort of like who completely disregard their family, but they would rather give money to uh, an organisation. Things like, that. And, and, and I find it really sad. I mean, and, and as a Muslim, right? So what is that about, though? What is that about? Is that it's about, about image? It's all about image. It's, a, it's about yeah, image. Yeah, so, so it's about status. It's yeah. about being seen to be doing the right thing. And, and you know, it's like those shows, like Secret Millionaire. Yeah. It's like these people go on that show, oh, look at me, I'm really helping now, I have all my money, but they're doing it on TV. I always remember the story about George Michael, um, how nobody knew how many millions he gave away to charity until he died, yeah. until it was like revealed after his death. Yeah. And, I th and like I say, I think that that is... Um, you know, that's a very humble yeah, and dignified exactly. way to behave. You don't tell people what you're doing, exactly. And, and I, I actually Classic. quite like George Michael because the way he lived his life, you know, he, he was a rock star. Well, not a rock star, he was a pop star, right? But he, he wanted to enjoy his life. He made a lot mm. of money and he enjoyed how he lived. All right, he, he died by it, but at least he enjoyed his life, right? Mm. And he yeah, helped an awful lot of people. Yeah, we're here for a good time, not a long time, yeah, eh, Joe, man? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know. So then, mate... Um, yeah, um, let's move on, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Right, um, what's happening this week? I mean, we're an hour in, so it's about time that we shut each other up. I think so, because we've had a good little rant today, haven't we? We have had a bit of a rant. Well, what can we do? You know, otherwise we'd be cutting hair, right? Yeah, who wants to do that? <laughs> 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 yeah, but that's your problem. Your pro you love the cutting of the hair. You just hate the travelling part. Well, yeah, I, I, look, I, I think as a hairdresser's right. But look, I, 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 I could sort of touch base on it. I think we could go into a lot longer, right? But mm. you, you get to a certain stage in life where you actually don't really want to do it anymore. Mm. Because 
you know, to be a hairdresser, you've got a shelf life too. Mm. And I think that's again, some of these people that not seem to understand, right? That you you expired on your shelf life, and yeah, you know, and they just can't go away. Mm. I, I'm quite happy to go away and and not become insignificant or anything like that, right? But just say, say I've done it. Thank you very much. Mm. Sure. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't see you back in a salon scenario now Forget because it. the restrictions and the rules. I know you're quite um, averse to like chemicals and yeah. products like that, and I've seen you literally kind of pull away from when like uh, uh, a waiter is like cleaning the table because yeah. of the like cleaning products. Yeah, cost. Um, I'm very sensitive. Yeah, so I'm very sensitive yeah, so I, I can't imagine you being in the salon in your face mask, your visor, oh. you know, spraying all the disinfectant around the around the salon every four seconds. So and, and that's why, you know, because I was very sensitive. To mate, you're lucky. Right? You got out. You got out just in time. But no, but if you remember my last my salon that I had in Burton's Arcade at um, Sloan Avenue, right? I actually mm. had a very fantastic um, air ventilation system. You know, fresh mm. air intake and uh, an extractor. Mm. Purely because I was very sensitive to uh, to, to chemicals, right, of of, mm. of, of strong detergents, yeah. and so by having fresh air, it actually gave and the extractor. I was I was in a very comfortable area, but like you mm. sort of said, when I go to a restaurant, do that, I, I just cringe. Yeah, like yeah, you do, you yeah. do. So what are you up to this week, then, mate? Um, we can't cut hair. Uh, there's still no 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 notice well, got, uh, uh, when we are going to be let, well, let out. Well, if you listen to uh, Sinead Quinn, they'd be opening in four days' time. January the 30th. It'd be, yeah, it'd be no. interesting well, to see how many people open up. I mean, I hope there's an awful lot open up, actually. Same, same here. Purely, I'll be out there supporting them. Yeah. I will be going to a restaurant if any of our local yeah. restaurants open. Um, yeah. I'll be taking the wife and kids yeah. to that. Exactly. Um, we've got to get on with our lives you know we can't hide from this thing any longer no. uh, and we have to reject um, what the government has told us because exactly. it's, they're dishonest they're being completely dishonest 100% I fairly agree with you mate okay then mate well right. look we're going to have to call it a day um, i got um, I got things to do yeah. I'm sure you've got many things well, to I, do well I don't know if you heard a dog bark in the background but I think they're saying, I did, yeah. they're saying they're annoyed at 12.30 where's our walk <laughs> yes for sure for sure alright then mate All right. well that's another show comes to an end once again where can people find you now that you've been um, jettisoned from LinkedIn Telegram at the moment I haven't got any Telegram get me on Telegram Telegram yeah but I will get back onto. I will get. I will endeavour to get back onto LinkedIn. I will endeavour to. Okay. Right. Well, we're missing you because um, my feed's never been the same since. <laughs> so, um, yeah, find us on Telegram, Salonomics. Um, we'll be active on there from now on. Obviously, you can reach out to me, Aaron Dawn Hair, anywhere, or go salon. Yeah, go and check that out. All right then, Joe. Right. It's another show done. Exactly. Brilliant. Speak later. Cheers. Catch bye. you later. Bye, bye. mate.